Once more, it's time for another Reef Lords Pod Academy episode. This is episode number four, and uh, we're talking about something I could have done with a good few years ago. Today, we're talking tips on home loan applications, and my special guest is Dora Lou from Reef Lords. Hello, Dora. How are you doing? Hi, Dave. Always good. How are you doing? Fantastic. Uh, we, we, we sort of seeing the, the, the downturn of the, the COVID infections, uh, looking forward to maybe the government uh, shifting us to level one. So that's good news. Good news indeed. Now, talking about good news is, is the property market is also now starting to, to gain some life and momentum and people are looking at buying again. And, you know, we're sort of getting back to some semblance of, of what life used to be like. Whilst it's exciting to buy your first home, the whole home loan application thing can, can really, it, it can be scary. I mean, there's all this paperwork and calculations and to how do you find the best deal? Will they give you the money? Won't they give you the money? How can you save? You're here to help us. Yes, uh, Dev, absolutely. So this whole episode is about the tips and hacks of home loan applications. Uh, so it's not really a step-by-step guide but rather focusing on the important criteria that banks actually assess when you apply for home loan. Let's, let's go with some of, those, some of those questions, okay? Because obviously asking yourself these questions and, and knowing what those questions are and being able to sort of understand that, that's very important to the application. Would you go through some of those questions with me? Yeah, sure. There are four major questions that you should really ask yourself before you even attempt to apply. So firstly, do I want a 100% loan or not? So it's important to understand whether you are comfortable putting down deposits for the property that you're purchasing up front. So usually banks are happier uh, to actually see a deposit put down for the property. It does tell the bank something about your saving habit, your spending habit. Are you a type of person that's living on paycheck to paycheck or you actually save up for a lump sum? So the more deposit you put in for your property, the higher chance you will get for having the loan granted. So that's a very, you know, important question. And then you ask yourself firstly. And secondly, I think you need to ask yourself, how much disposable income do I have every month? Now, I think it's a very common knowledge um, amongst all the home buyers regarding the rule of thumb when calculating your home loan affordability. Usually it's one third of your monthly salary. It is true. But it's not always true because eventually the banks actually assess your disposable income. What does disposable income mean? It means that what do you have left at the end of the month after deducting all fixed costs, such as mortgages that you have, or credit accounts, clothing accounts, cell phone accounts, etc., etc. I think it's a it will give you a good idea. You know, if you go through the example that I'm going to give. So if John earns, let's say, 30,000 Rand a month, the supposed affordability would be 10,000 Rand a month on the home loan, right? Okay, so, now that, so that's, that's working on that, that rule of thumb of a third of your monthly salary. 
Correct, correct. So, okay. however, he has a car loan that costs about 15,000 Rand a month. And he's got other fixed monthly costs of around 10,000 Rand, let's say on clothing accounts or cell phone contracts, etc., etc., which only leaves him with 5,000 Rand disposable income to spend. So the banks will then determine that John only qualifies for 5,000 Rand per month on the repayment instead of the 10,000 rand supposed affordability. You see, and this is, this is so, so important because very, very often what we do is we kind of forget about those other bits and pieces that we need to. And, you know, when it comes to the affordability thing, and I think it's one important way of not getting yourself into trouble uh, when mm. you're applying for a loan is that affordability because even though uh, let's say you can afford it now. There's, there's different kinds of home loans that you can get, I think. So, I don't know if that's still the same, but in, in my day, um, you could either say to the bank, listen, I want a fixed rate or a variable rate. I don't know if that still mm -hmm. applies. It still applies. Uh, and usually we do on variable rates because if you look at uh, prior to lockdown, the interest rate was much higher than what it is now. If you are applying on fixed rates, obviously you are still stuck on 10 or 12, you know. But if you are doing on variable, the prime rate drops, your interest rate drops. So majority of the people in South Africa uh, stay on variable rates. Okay. All right. That, that does make sense because, you know, obviously yeah. we, we'd like interest rates to drop. But you have to take into account, and I'm sure you'll agree with this, when you're working out the affordability is, there needs to be some kind of cushion there in case rates go up. Um, obviously, if the interest rate has gone so low in the country, like 3 or 4%, <laughs> let's hope it happens one day. Uh, so if it comes down to so low, then maybe you will look at fixed interest rates, you know, so that even if it goes up, it will not go up uh, for, your, for your repayment. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. But now, yeah. the next big question, Dora, that we come to is home loan, the, the period of time that you take to pay off your home loan. I, I, I initially thought it was fixed, that you had like 30 years or whatever the case may be, and that was the end of the story. Mm -hmm. Can you choose? Yes. Um, well, it's very common that banks grant 20 years of home loan, right? But it can vary from 10 years to 30 years. Okay, obviously they don't usually do 11 years or 12 years, that's uncommon. Uh, but 10 years, 20 years or 30 years, it really depending on your age and your affordability. So let's say if you are in your 40s, chances are banks are not going to grant longer than 20 years. Alright, because you're only going to be productive for about 20 years. And um, if you, but, but if you are in your 20s, banks might even consider a 30-year loan. Always bear in mind, the longer the loan term, the more interest you would end up paying. The shorter the loan, the less the interest. Okay, so shorter loan obviously means higher repayment every month because you are paying the loan quicker. But I suppose in an ideal world, and we are talking an ideal world here, the, the, the best thing to do would be to try and pay your bond off a little quicker. Just thinking here, you know, you, you, you use an analogy of, of people in their 20s or people in their 40s. Um, I have a friend who's my age, in his 50s now, um, mm -hmm. and they've really battled 
to get a home loan. And they've had to put down a fairly hefty deposit. So what you're saying makes it a, a great deal of sense is if you're going to be getting into the property market, do it early and do it as early as you can. Yeah, absolutely. And from, you know, the latest stats that we collected, uh, people are investing in properties earlier and earlier. We used to look at people purchasing property only in their late 30s or 40s and even 50s. But now the age group is now shifting to the 20s, which is great, which is great because now your sense of financial freedom is stronger and stronger in the market. And then you're sort of on that property ladder, as it were, earlier uh, on in your life. And then as you and your family grow, then obviously you could move into into other places. Talking about family, though, talking about family, can you look at applying for a home loan or a bond uh, jointly? So, for example, as a couple or something like that? Yeah, sometimes it's not a choice that you can make. For instance, if you're married in community or property, you are obliged to apply jointly with your spouse. Okay, so the banks will take into account for, of both yours and your spouse's affordability and liability. So if you, your spouse is on a shopping spree all the time, the chances are she or he is not going to have much saving left uh, in the bank account. So the affordability of your spouse will drastically decrease and the risk profile might increase, you know, when banks assess you. So sometimes it's not a matter of choice. You can't really choose whether you apply alone or jointly. However, if you are married out of community or property, meaning you've got an ANC contract, anti-natural contract, uh, you can apply on your own. However, even if you have that uh, anti-natural contract, you can still apply jointly with a friend, with a relative, with your spouse, or basically anyone to share the liability. But, you know, always be very, very careful to pick the right person to share this liability. It's a, it's a long-term commitment, and then you don't want to get yourself in trouble. Yeah, because if, you, if you're not very careful about that and something happens, suddenly you, you can't afford your bond repayments anymore, which could be a bit of a challenge. Uh, but that's, that's some great advice so far. I mean, you know, we, we're sitting down, we're thinking about affordability, we're thinking about what term we'd like to pay our loans off, and then, of course, the application, as you said, whether it's going to be uh, just you applying or with somebody else. Are there some tips, Dora, that we could have a look at as well, just to, to, to help people on their way? Because, as I said right at the beginning of this, for me, the, the loan application process when I did it was an absolute nightmare. I mean, I, I was uh, yeah, tied in knots about it. So, so talk to me about that. For sure. And I think... Because we said earlier in the episode, this is not a step-by-step guide uh, of how to fill in your paperwork, but rather to give you some hacks and tips so that your application looks better, okay? <laughs> and um, so first thing first, on all bond application forms, you will be asked to state your fixed costs and other mortgages that you've taken out of a financial institution. So be very honest on these items because banks will catch you out even if you don't fill in on your uh, application forms. However, 
you may look at minimizing your grocery and entertainment costs on the forms because these items are not seen as fixed costs. They are variable. So let's say your cigarette cost is 2,000 rand a month. You might want to, you know, sort of minimize that because that is variable. It's in your hands to, you know, to, to decide how much you want to spend on the cigarettes. You get what I'm saying? So mm. that's the first part. And secondly, be transparent about your judgments and defaults that's issued against you. All right. If they are still awaiting settlement or they are in dis dispute. Okay. So banks are very unlikely to grant you the loans if you have judgments or defaults against you or debt reviews. Okay. But however, sometimes you actually have disputes about these judgments. Okay. For instance, we had a client who uh, signed up with MTN with only 500 Rand per month of the, of the cell phone cost. However, somehow down the line, somewhere down the line, the eight, uh, the admin team added three zero, oh, two zeros at the back. Okay. Without the decimal. So it's now 50,000 Rand a month. And obviously, the client is not going to be uh, be able to afford the home loan because of this judgments, because of this uh, you know error someone made on the account. So be transparent that you have this judgment, you have this debt review. However, provide them with the proof, provide them with a supporting document, so banks see that it's an error from the you know from MTN side or from any other accounts. Uh, uh, institution. Okay, makes a lot of sense that, and 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 I cannot stress highly enough the importance of what you said in terms of your fixed costs, and and you need to be honest about that. And I think for a lot of people, when when you actually do sit down and you're preparing to buy a home, or you want to buy a home, and you start looking at at your income and expenditure, it can be quite a frightening thing because suddenly you realise. But hang on, you know, we spent 4,000 Rand on takeaways last month. Do we really need to do that? Yeah. And, and just in terms of your, your fixed costs, so if you've got any other loans or if you've got credit card debt, uh, does, does that count as fixed costs? Yes, or those yes it does count. It counts towards the fixed accounts because you will have to pay off the debt sometime, right? Somehow. And let's say if you are purchasing a MacBook on accounts, that is part of the fixed costs as well. Although it might be a small amount to, to consider, but it's still a fixed cost you will have to pay out every month. And if you have taken a, a mortgage um, for your car, that is also a fixed cost. Okay, now, now we're moving on with some of these tips because the next one up is something I'd like to talk about because that can also be quite challenging is if you are a business owner or if you're self-employed, there is certain challenges there. Can we talk about that? Sure. Dave, um, like you said, you are self-employed, right? So if you want to purchase a property, sometimes it's a bit different from, you know, if you are applying when you're, you're permanently employed by another uh, employer. So for self-employed purchases, they need to have their company's financials and their tax certificates ready. And usually banks look at minimum of two years of financials, um, you know, before they really consider your, your home loan application. And you also need to issue yourself with a salary note every month. 
so that it's a, let's say, a fixed income every month. And, you know, if you've got a bank statement, banks don't necessarily look at how much savings you have, but rather a consistent income every month in order for them to calculate your affordability. Yeah, and that's, okay, that's, so that's important. Very, yeah. very important. And, and I'm going to relate a story. We, we've, we've done, uh, work with Reflords in, in a, in a, as part of one of the other companies, which is the Sales Institute. And, uh, Timothy, who is the founder of the Sales Institute, wanted to go out and buy a house. Now, in terms of, of making turnover, he, he was making a lot of money. What he hadn't been doing, though, is he'd been drawing from the business and hadn't been giving himself payslips. And it caused a major headache. The, the, the bank was they, they're very strict in their terms. Um, and it took him quite a long time to get all of that sorted out because they insisted on, you know, it's all good and well. You say there's this business and it's making so much money. Where is your money? Are you being paid? So we cannot emphasize that enough. Yes, 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 of course. Um, and it can give... It can give you a lot of headaches, you know, when going through home loan application and then you realize that I've made so much money, but now banks, you know, return to me and say, look, we can't ground you because of your affordability. And then you're like, what are you talking about? You, you go and say, yeah, mm. so, so that's one critical um, thing that you need to look at. And um, the fourth tip that we would give to the audiences. If you are a commission, a commission owner, all right, meaning you're a salesperson or you earn bonuses, incentives on a monthly basis, you might find it also challenging to apply for a home loan because of your inconsistency of income. All right. But with that being said, you still don't have to panic because banks assess your affordability by averaging your past six months income, basic plus commission, all right? So instead of providing maybe three months of uh, bank statements and your pay slips, you provide six months of those, okay? So there's still a way, but just means that you're going to plan, you know, ahead for what you're going to, uh, what you're going to purchase. Yeah, so in other words, if, if you're a commission owner, uh, the more preparation, the better, because you need to be able to have, as you said, those six months. Now, yes. Dora, talk to me about income, because is there a difference between income and salary? Oh, yes. Um, well, salary is not, well, salary is only a part of the income. So income does not only mean salary. It includes also the passive incomes uh, that you earn on a monthly basis, such as your rental income, okay, that you generate from another property of yours, uh, travel allowances, housing allowances, any allowances that your uh, company is paying you, all right, and cash components uh, uh, from your monthly income. Let's, let's say you've got a side business, but it's so, let's say, inconsequential, all right, you've still got about 2,000 or 3,000 or 1,000, whatever the amount is, but it's in cash. It's a cash component. Ensure that you include these items on your application form to maximize your affordability. Okay, so your income doesn't only mean salary. It can include other type of, um, uh, you know, components as well. 
Okay, that, that makes a lot of sense because obviously, um, as you say, the, 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 the better your affordability looks, the more chance you have of getting the, the, the bond approved. Now, some more tips, Dory. I mean, what, what do you do um, if you're not sure about whether you do qualify or don't qualify? What, what, what would we do in a situation like this? Uh, more and more purchasers are now aware of this process called pre-qualification. So uh, it's a very easy and basic process to be completed, right? So you can do a pre-qualification -qual with the banks or bond originators, and you can do it even online. So, for example, uh, Reflows actually offers pre-approval services via Betabond. Very easy process, a seamless process. So the pre-qualification usually will help you to speed up seller's signature. So remember, sellers, doesn't matter, developer or second-hand uh, seller, um, they don't want to waste their time on someone that can't qualify for the bond. All right, so pre-qualification is a very good way to, to kick off your, uh, your whole buying process. Mm, and, and I think, yeah, that, that would most definitely help because then you've been pre-qualified, you know what your, your sort of price range is, and I would think you would look then more attractive as a potential buyer to the seller. Definitely. All right, now we've got, uh, what are, how many, have you got a couple more tips? Have you got at least one more tip before we wrap up? Okay, um, I think the last one, let's say the last one for the episode, um, okay. I would suggest that you don't hurry to sign the loan agreement bef you know, before you're comparing between the different interest rates offered by different banks. Okay, so you might get extremely excited because you've got an offer from the bank saying you are now granted with a loan of so much at certain interest rate. But, you know, don't hurry into signing. Compare between different institutions, all right? It's a good idea to apply then at multiple banks to give you, uh, to give yourself more options. And I think you know, in that case, it's always wise to get assistance from a bond originator who can apply to multiple institutions at once. Okay, for example, uh, Reflows actually assists our customers to submit to all seven banks in South Africa via Better Bond to ensure our customers actually get best deals out of uh, out of one application. So, and and I mean the service from Bond originators is completely free. Okay, now that makes a lot of sense because as you were saying, you know, you need to apply to, to, to multiple banks. I was thinking, oh, no, how much PT is that? But you say Reflords, if somebody's going into a Reflords development, that's part of what you offer them where you will do that submission on their behalf um, via Better Bond, I believe you said. Um, so then, then when you, when it comes back, then obviously you can see, okay, what are these guys offering as opposed to what those guys are offering? Because a half a percent or a percent doesn't seem a lot initially, but if you take it over a long term, it adds up to quite a bit of money, doesn't it? Yeah, it is a lot. I mean, even half percent or one quarter of the percent, it is a lot in the long term. And you will see also a significant, uh, difference in in repayment amount every month you can save up to you know thousands or hundreds depending on the per, uh, the, the purchase price 
And these days, every every little bit counts. Dora, we're running out of time, and I'm sure there's a whole bunch more tips that that, uh, Reef Lords do have for prospective home buyers. If they want to know more, what do we do? Where do we go? Okay, so if you're keen to know more, um, please feel free to drop us an email at Catherine, C-A-T-H-E-R-I-N-E, at reeflaws.coza, or you can post on our Facebook page. All right, Facebook page, just Reeflords. Yes. Look up Reeflords, you'll find it there. Otherwise, drop a mail to Catherine at reeflords.co.za. Dora Lou from Reeflords, thank you so much for chatting to us again. And uh, until next time, we wish you all the best. Thank you, Dave. We'll chat again in October then. Wonderful stuff. Looking forward to our next episode. I am learning so much. I hope you are too. Until next time, take care of yourselves.